Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and learn from each others. And today we have a conversation with Aaron Peters, future of work evangelist, retired digital nomad, people ticks finder, traveler, conference and speaker, community architect, and just a very open person I've recently met. So hello, Erin. Hello, so lovely to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Finally. It was a, it was a, it was a quick decision, but yeah, here we are. So, <laughs> retired digital nomad. From your Instagram, I can tell you enjoyed being a nomad very much. But now, as you wrote, you are attempting normal life in Europe, ah, even though London is not Europe anymore. But anyway, so RIP. <laughs> why why did you retire? Yeah, I think there are trade-offs to most lifestyles. No particular setup is ever going to be perfect. I was nomading for about five years and was in about 40 to 45 different countries. And when you're moving that quickly, a lot of normal things just get significantly harder. <laughs> you always have to figure out where you're going to do laundry or where you're going to be working, where it has good internet. You have to buy salt, pepper, and olive oil every two weeks. <laughs> and you know, you want to own more than one sweater. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets really exhausting that I think the mental load of constantly planning and the other side of it that I really found was it was really hard to maintain relationships, whether it was with my family or friends or even to date, because you're moving so quickly, it's hard to be in any one place for a long time. So I think when people go, why did you choose London of all places to stop? I think the, there's no perfect place. There's no perfect lifestyle. The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. So I'm here and there's a lot of rain. So the grass is being watered. <laughs> At least. And, and this is where I'm trying to set up a bit more of a home base and build, you know, a local community, a friend's community, um, and really just start my life here and continue my life here, I should say. <laughs> How many friends did you leave behind? Oh, gosh. I mean... <laughs> I think you're never truly leaving friends behind necessarily because you're we live in such a digital age. You can have so many different friends. I think the difference is you learn that friendships aren't necessarily ones that are built out of convenience. So not someone that you are friends with because you see them at an office every day or they live next door to you. You have to be very intentional about the relationships that you have and maintain. Um, so I wouldn't say that I've left friends behind necessarily. I've definitely collected a lot in various parts of the world, but you do have to really put an effort to keep in touch with everyone. So you may be a little bit more selective with who you put that effort into. Um, but I'm very lucky to have friends in every corner of the world these days. <laughs> but it's so hard to put this effort to keep connected. Uh, and how, how do you do that? Yeah, well, It's interesting that you ask and also that you've been on my Instagram. As you can tell, I don't post very often. I don't have a Facebook page either. So I don't actually really leverage social media all that much to maintain my friendships. Um, I occasionally go on to Instagram on my computer. I don't even have the app on my phone. <laughs> But I truthfully just started a habit many years ago of every time I think a random thought or a memory of someone, I'll just text them or go on WhatsApp and reach out and just be like, how are you doing? Or schedule a call or hop on with someone. And I found that to be much more personal and realistic, I think, to what's happening in their life. Because when I did have lots of social media, I think it's packaged in a way that isn't necessarily reality. And especially for the friends that I wanted to put the effort to stay in touch with, Things aren't always perfect. And part of being a good friend is being there when th times are tough or, and being there when times are great and the stuff that they would post about. So I ended up having a lot more real conversations with my friends about what was actually happening in their life and what they were going through. And we could both share on a deeper level. So I just waited for the opportunity where I went, I should really message them or I should ask how that thing went. And then I just get in contact directly. So. That's that's my way. It's not perfect. And I really, you know, wish I were doing it more, but that's how I've kept in touch today. What can make you thinking about some of those people? Oh, gosh, anything, really. <laughs> um, 
you hear a joke or a saying, or you see a fruit from that one country in a random grocery store, international grocery store, and you go, oh, I remember that time we tried snake fruit for the first time in the villa in Bali. I should text, you know, Zach about it. Uh, so I think it really could be triggered by anything, but it's just anytime you have memories, good or bad, you know, could be, hey, we were stuck in that <laughs> freezing bus for 12 hours in the middle of the mountains. <laughs> anything. <laughs> you have a lot of stories, but tell me more about sneaking this fruit. Oh, snake fruits. Like, uh, okay, snake so fruits. It's a fruit in uh, Indonesia, and the outside of it looks like snake skin, and it's very hard on the outside. But if you eat it, it has the texture kind of like an apple or a pear, and it comes in pieces, mm -hmm. and it tastes kind of like, um, you know, hubba bubba grape, like fake grape flavoring. <laughs> It's good. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely. And you know, when you first told, I was like sneaking the fruit, and I was imagining like ah, you are trying to with you thieves. Know, yeah, fruit thieves. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> and, and like in the night, the moon is shining and all the stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, snake like slithery fruits. <laughs> That's a nice story. Yeah. So, the early bird gets to cry in the parking lot for an extra 10 minutes. <laughs> Was it the cause of why you quit your job, sold your house, car, furniture, etc., and booked a one-way ticket to Uruguay? Yes. So I am what I would consider to be a remote native worker. I started working remotely since I was 19 because I was working for companies that were halfway across the country. You know, there weren't a lot of offices in Winnipeg, Manitoba that I was working for. So I was kind of spoiled with remote working from a younger age, although I managed regions. And I had been working for marketing companies, uh, Sony and big tech hardware companies, and all of those were remote. Then Sony wasn't doing so great. They had some layoffs in their mobile department and pretty much the whole Canadian team was wiped out. So I thought, what a great opportunity for me to try something totally different. <laughs> and I was in my early mid twenties going, what am I going to do with my life? And so I started working in finance for luxury automotive brand. And it was my first time working in an office every single day. And it was just pretty soul crushing because I think the office and the commute stuck in traffic, not a great way to start your day, but I just didn't have a lot of meaning to my work. <laughs> I was doing finance. It was a luxury brand. I just felt like I was making rich people richer <laughs> and it felt very frivolous. So I went home, had a glass of wine, was talking to a flatmate of mine and I came across this ad for a group called Remote Year on Facebook and <laughs> kind of had a little bit of a wine buzz and decided to apply. And <laughs> The next morning, I drove to work and was in the parking lot on Reddit and saw that meme of the early bird gets to cry in the parking lot for an, an extra 15 minutes. And it felt very real. <laughs> I could very much relate. And I just couldn't believe that I had to sit in that chair to make money, especially having worked the way that I had worked for so many years before. I really just thought that there was something better. And I thought, you know, I wanted to travel the world when I was younger. I wanted to help people. And I realized I was kind of breaking a promise to myself of what I was doing now didn't really match what I thought I would be doing. So lo and behold, I go home and I heard back from remote year and I just kept making it to another interview and everything else. And I was selected to be in a group of 72 people to travel to a new country each month for a year. And that's what kicked off my digital nomadism in general. So I thought time to dive in, sell everything. I thought I'm pretty hireable. I'll get a job. <laughs> and it worked out in the end. So here we are. <laughs> and you told that you were moving quickly between countries. So for mm -hmm. how long you stayed in one place? Yeah, sometimes it could have been as short as a weekend trip somewhere that was nearby. Uh, but typically it was about four to six weeks. And towards the tail end of the traveling, it was one to three months just so that I could slow down, enjoy the scene and really take it in. So it did vary a lot, but kind of around the one to three months total is, is the best, the best one. 
And still going back, was it more exhausting or energizing for you? I think it's all, all of the above. <laughs> There's, you know, so many times where you just kind of blink and you go, wow, like this is such an incredible place or you get to see such historical monuments because keep in mind too, I'm from a very young country. Um, when I was flat hunting here in London, most buildings I looked at were older than my country. <laughs> so traveling and seeing places that have just had humanity and history around them for so long, it is really motivational and inspiring and meeting so many people from different walks of life and generating empathy on a scale that I never could have done at home without leaving my environment. That's all very, very motivating. Um, I would say it's all the little stuff that is the stuff that really drains you over time of having to say goodbye to people is tough, although that's not so little, but figuring out directions and figuring out how to say hello, thank you, goodbye, and order a coffee in every language that you can possibly imagine. <laughs> how many languages do you know? So English is my native language. In Canada, it's a bilingual country. So I took all of my courses from kindergarten to my first year university in French. And in my travels, I learned Spanish. So I'm conversational level in Spanish as well. But to be fair, it's very similar to French. So I kind of feel like it's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of understand, you know, because this Polish is very similar to Ukrainian. So I'm kind of cheating too. So I, I get right. what you're talking about. Same, same, but different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. You can tell something that sounds similar, but it has different meaning. It, it would be weird, you know, so yes. <laughs> still it's better to know language <laughs> properly. But yeah. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents. Who are they? Oh, my parents. Um, my mom, like what, what they did for work, I'm guessing, or what they do. Up to Anything. you. Yeah, my mom actually was a big inspiration for me growing up, I would say. Uh, she also worked remotely and managed a region. And my mom grew up with four brothers. So anything men could do, she could do better. <laughs> and she worked in a male-dominated industry, which was automotive. And I also work in what I would say is traditionally male-dominated industry, working with software developers and in the technology industry. So... Nowadays, she's retired and she lives in the middle of nowhere in Canada on a lake where it's minus 40 for most of the year. <laughs> and there's a year-round population of maybe around 500 people in the entire township and area. So her life has changed pretty significantly. But I think seeing her work ethic and seeing her work from home and seeing her drive, you know, business in general and help a lot of people uh, definitely shaped who I am in my work life for sure. I wouldn't say we have much in common in terms of the way we like to live now, 500 people in London with a few million. <laughs> But um, I definitely think that we have, you know, I, I, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that's for sure. <laughs> What is one thing that you for sure learned from your mother and using like, I don't know, on a daily basis or like, which is a guiding star for you in your life? Yeah, I think something that she always had on her computer on a little sticky note was like, make today a great day. And so I think sometimes I really think about the fact that you own the outcome of your day and you own your mood going into the day. So even if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, like sometimes you got to put in the work more than others. <laughs> So I think that's really stuck with me too, because it was always just one small little sticky note, but it definitely made an impact. How do you make yourself a great day? Yeah, I think sometimes it's little rituals. Um, for me, when you're moving so often, you can't necessarily tie getting into the mindset of work to a physical place, right? Uh, so sometimes it has to be as simple as making a good cup of coffee, listening to your favorite podcast or watching your favorite YouTube channel and just kind of getting into the grind of it. Um, sometimes it's getting outside and sitting in the sun for 10 minutes because, you know, photosynthesis is just as important for humans as it's for everyone else. And just, I think, taking stock of um, kind of your, your love banks, if you will, like 
making sure that you're eating properly, making sure that you're getting enough rest and just going through a bit of a little checklist of making sure that you have all the right tools for it to be a really good day. <laughs> Do you literally have this checklist? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so am I properly caffeinated? <laughs> have I eaten something substantial for the day? Meaning not junk food, actually had like protein and vegetables. Um, have I actually gone outdoors and not just sat at screens? Have I drank enough water? So I do go through a few to make sure that I'm physically in the right spot and then I can just mentally change the rest. <laughs> so you're definitely not that kind of person who wake up and like starts working right away. I have been, and I am a, more of a morning person if I'm honest, but one of the things that really changed that for me was getting a dog. So he forces me to get outside. We go walking in the morning. We I'm not right on my computer or my phone in bed checking Slack, which I used to do. Because oftentimes when you're in different time zones, I don't expect my team or the people I'm working with to shift around my ever-changing time zones. So sometimes you are taking a meeting at 10 p.m. or 5 a.m. in random hours. So setting those types of boundaries can be quite challenging. But at least with Wiley, my rescue dog, he gets me outside all the time and he forces me not to be right on it first thing in the morning. So at the very least, I have an hour where it's just us and we get ready for the day mentally and physically and then off we go. Where do you usually go? With Wiley, we are, have lots of parks near us, which is really great. So There's a really long canal that runs through London. You really could take it from the Thames through the city and all the way out west. But I'm very close to a big, beautiful manicured park here in London. So we go walking through there. Um, I, this might be a very European thing, but lots of people walk their dogs in cemeteries here, <laughs> which can be quite peaceful. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes, cue all the murder mystery lovers. <laughs> Yeah, one yeah. more story. One, one more story to tell. You never know, you know, <laughs> out, out all of those stories there. Mm. Have you mm -hmm. have you ever wondered about any stories of people who are there? Oh yes, absolutely. So this particular one that's fairly close by, we don't go there very often. But the neighborhood that I live in was pretty much totally flattened in World War II during the Blitz. So most things in this area are you know, basically since the end of the war. But this particular cemetery has mostly people from the 17 and 1800s. And so it's in all different types of overgrowth and disarray and things haven't necessarily been repaired. So I often think, gosh, like, this was a very different place back when they were around and what their life must have been like and even how the streets would have been. Everything was is just totally changed. So I often wonder what their lives would have been like and stop and read and check it out. <laughs> Have you Googled some of them? I don't know, maybe some information? Not yet, although and my TikTok algorithms must know that I go through the cemetery. There's one girl, and she's not necessarily in London. I think she's somewhere in the United States. But she cleans gravestones and mm -hmm. basically looks people up on things like Ancestry.com or in the libraries, and she tells the story and narrates it as she's cleaning their headstone. And I always thought that was really lovely. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of weird a little, but yeah. Like Yeah, it's uh history talk and cleaning talk all in one area. But I can imagine I I can I can I can imagine that yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, to listen all of those stories and Yeah, so one day I will ask you about some of stories from the cemetery near It's you. good homework. I'll have to take some notes <laughs> and go back and bring them back to my computer to look them up. <laughs> <laughs> just the beginning of our conversation so great new spin-off series <laughs> <laughs> let's move a little to closer to yourself uh tell me about your childhood what is the first memory of your childhood that comes to your mind right now gosh first memory probably something with my sister playing outside we were outside all the time when we were kids um And we had a couple of dogs, so 
any given weekend or any other time we're outside playing make-believe or with our friend from down the street having the dogs pull us like sled dogs on a skateboard (laughs) all kinds of things so definitely outside catching crayfish in the lake and jumping in the water and playing with the dogs so you tell that your mother was uh, had five brothers and she could do anything they could even better and taking into account this stuff like what were you do what kind of troubles you were getting into with your sister oh troubles gosh <laughs> i don't know if i if we got into tons of well i probably got into more trouble than she did <laughs> Did you, did you do it separately or did you have any, you know, common troubles? I think most groups of sisters will probably tell you that you're very close when you're younger. And then in your teens, you grow a little bit apart because you can't stand each other. And then you become very close in your 20s again. <laughs> so I think we probably had different troubles for a while. But we did live together at our cottage. We had a rule. Our parents said, you can stay out here in the summer if you both get jobs. And they would go back into the city. And we're like 13 and 15. So definitely old enough to get into trouble and (laughs) young enough to be pretty stupid with some things. So just random stuff like, you know, you get caught underage drinking a couple summers later or, you know, partying with your friends or going out in the boat because keep in mind too a lot of times I was too young to drive so I drove a fishing boat to work for the first few years of my career when I washed dishes <laughs> but yeah it's uh I would say there's lots of trouble you can get into yeah <laughs> can't quite think of anything sorry you might have to edit that, that part. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like you had like pretty calm childhood you know like no practically no troubles just usual stuff no i think it was yeah (laughs) it's pretty pretty typical stuff you know i'm i'm very grateful for my childhood i'm very aware of the privileged background that i came from um we were middle class family in the middle of canada which is all things considered a very safe environment a, a wealthy nation in general where i didn't have to worry about healthcare or food on the table or anything Um, I think our challenges, you know, there's mental illness in my family. That's something that I think all of us have kind of gone through and really had to learn to deal with in order to keep our relationship strong. Um, But, you know, on the grand scheme of things, no, I didn't really have problems in my family and I didn't have problems in my, in my childhood other than some of the more typical stuff. Like, you know, my parents got divorced, but at the same time they got divorced so they could be happier with other people, which is also just as great. So Um, yeah, very grateful for my my upbringing and, and where I was raised. I won some lottery somewhere to be in that environment. And how did you feel when they got divorced? I think, I mean, I was definitely wasn't surprised. Okay. <laughs> my sister and I, I think, thought it would come a lot earlier than it did. And what, so, in what age? How old you were? I was 17 at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think it was kind of, you know, they never fought or anything. We just knew that they were very happy together. So I think the moment that you kind of are realizing that someone could be happier in another environment and that general feeling that parents need to stay together for the kids, we were kind of like, do what's best for you. <laughs> So, so yeah, they, um, they got divorced and both moved on and and have partners and are quite happy now. So, uh, all, all good things end well, I would say. (laughs) You are are grown up now. You can do whatever you want. So go ahead. Exactly. (laughs) So how frequently do you celebrate sunsets? Sunsets. I try to get out as much as possible. I think it's much more enjoyable when you're on a seaside somewhere. I would say London, and maybe it's the same for you also being in Northern Europe, where the sun is setting at 3 p.m. in the winter. It's quite hard to get out in the middle of the day. Where is the sun? Bring me the sun, somebody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So it's a little bit harder. 
I do enjoy a good sunrise as well. I'm a, a, an early riser and I mean, in the winter, it also is coming up at nine. So <laughs> not, not hard to miss, but um, yeah, I, I love just sitting and having a moment. And again, you know, Wiley's a good accountability buddy for me to stop and slow down and smell the roses and watch a sunrise or a sunset and contemplate life. <laughs> what exact roses do you like? Which roses do I like? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, you mean life, like life roses or actual roses? <laughs> you were talking about, you were talking about smelling roses, you know, I think that yeah. it's actual ones, maybe, maybe it's life roses. Tell me more about that. <laughs> it's both. Well, yeah, you know, the saying stop to smell the roses is like slow down and take okay. in your environment uh, and think of life. So kind of a saying in that way. So sometimes it's literally stopping and smelling flowers and being like, wow, this is really nice. But I think other times it's just that moment of pause and sinking in your environment around you or reflecting on things that are happening. It's so easy to just keep going with rolling with the punches and moving very fast or sticking on your screen, but really taking that moment to think about, you know, what are your roses? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was taking it literally, you know, like, uh, but yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, red ones are nice. English uh, roses are nice. <laughs> what was the best photo you've ever taken? Best photo I've ever taken. I have one photo that I took of one of our neighbor's dogs. And it was um, at the lake growing up. We had all met, we had different fishing boats out for the day so we went to a, a little island with a beach and they had this beautiful dog that was kind of a wild street dog that they had adopted in and he was looked kind of like a wolf mix and the funny thing with chase is you could press on horns or go oh and he would start to howl and so i have a really beautiful photo of him howling with this beautiful beach and wilderness in the background and he looks right out of a storybook of a howling dog. So I always thought that was a really fun one. Yeah, it's really beautiful one. And yeah. You shared a long time ago, like I, I, I usually say like in another life, I want to be like Felicia. And <laughs> I Googled Felicia and it's all about Skodas, only cars like Skoda Felicia. So. Who is Felicia? You know, I think it was probably one of those, like, back when buy Felicia was a thing. So if you're, like, saying bye to someone who's bothered you, you're like, bye, Felicia. It was <laughs> okay. probably a joke like that. <laughs> But again, my Instagram is very outdated. So it's jokes from probably years and years ago. <laughs> Yeah, but once again, you know, you're still the same person, kind of. At least I feel Maybe. that way. You never know. Could be, but I think people evolve, right? So you're different versions of yourself. Maybe I'm like Madonna and I have a new identity. Okay, <laughs> so what is your new... Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, you're like, what is your new identity? Let's talk about this. <laughs> Tell me more about that. What is your new identity? Yeah, I mean, if you asked me seven or eight years ago if I would be living in London and working, you know, for myself, basically running different programs and projects and working internationally, meeting tons of people, have my little dog. I really wouldn't have been able to picture this life for myself that long ago and having been able to see the things that I've seen. So I think, you know, you do grow and change in different ways and all the experiences that I've had have definitely changed the way that I see other people and see the world and see myself. So the way that I would have reacted or had opinions about things before are so different than how I react or prioritize things in my life or what I think matters and what doesn't actually matter. Uh, it is so different. So I think with that lens on my life, I am a very different person than I was back then because my world was pretty small <laughs> and the world is such a big, beautiful place. Uh, it's important to have that perspective, I think. Do you remember this moment where you like, okay, now I'm totally different person? 
Oh gosh, yeah. I think <laughs> it was probably towards the end of remote year, so my first year of nomading. And it was a moment of reflection where I just realized that that level of freedom of not being in the same environment where you worry about people judging you or people who had certain expectations of you and what you should or shouldn't be doing, all of that had been freed for a year. And when you have that ability to be the person you want to be instead of being the person people expect you to be, it's pretty life-changing <laughs> because you're living life for yourself and you're not living life for other people. And I think realizing that at the end of the year where I had such a beautiful community of friends who became family that supported me and whoever I wanted to be, that was pretty amazing. And I've got very supportive friends and family from back home in Canada, but I think everyone always feels either a spoken or unspoken pressure to do things in a certain way or to live life in a certain way. And all of that was just let go. So I think that was really a moment where I reflected and thought, yeah, I really like who, who I am and who I'm becoming. And I could do this for, for the rest of my life, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Sound, sound, sounds amazing for me. So yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that. So thank you very much for sharing. Yeah. And what was the crummiest reality TV you recently caught on Netflix? <laughs> oh, gosh. I watch such horrible reality TV. It's crazy. A friend of mine, uh, she lives in Berlin. She's all she's watched every bit of reality TV that's out there. And truthfully, in the pandemic, I picked a lot of it up <laughs> and I can't get I can't put it down. So right now I'm watching Love Island, which is everybody in the UK watches it. So if you go to the grocery store, people are talking about it. So you kind of culturally have to stay up on that one. And what else have I watched recently? Oh, the Netflix, this, what is this one with all the other reality TV stars that are in a oh, perfect match. They take every reality TV show that's been on Netflix and anyone who's single is on a dating show now together, whether it was competition TV or anything. So I've watched some, I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. I'm just, I'm unashamed. <laughs> Sometimes you need to watch silly things. <laughs> you know, I watch Paw Patrol, so. Yeah, Paw Patrol is great. My nephews love it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't tell me about being ashamed. Okay. So what coffee do you love? Oh, yeah. I'm... You know, I'll take it in any form. Helplessly addicted. Love a good cup of coffee. My day-to-day -day coffee, I have a French press at home. So it's mostly like filtered coffee or an Americano with yeah. just a little splash of milk is how I generally take it. But if I'm feeling really fancy or want a dessert, then I'll order like a cappuccino or something. It's super <laughs> fancy. And how many, how much coffee do you drink during the day? Oh gosh, now you're really going to out me to the world. I... I used to drink two full French presses of coffee a day, so which would probably be like, close to a liter of coffee. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just like two cups of coffee a day. And uh, and that's it for me. And sometimes I'll do like a herbal tea or something in the afternoon, but trying to have a, a more responsible sleep pattern these days. <laughs> Did you drink it like a water or maybe you had some kind of rituals connected to coffee? <laughs> Oh, totally. If I don't have a cup of coffee by midday, then I'll absolutely have withdrawals. <laughs> but I do drink a lot of, of water as well. I probably drink two or three liters of water a day. So I always have my little beverage station with my refills and things available right here. <laughs> yeah. And once you shared... Once again, it was a long time ago. So, but uh, back then the bucket list started coming together for you. So what is your number one item on your bucket list now? Hmm. That's a good question. I think so, now they're a little bit more silly. I think before some of them were bigger, like I wanted to go to Machu Picchu and that was a dream of mine for a long time because I just loved the lore around it. Uh, now it's like silly little things. Like I would love to learn how to savor a champagne bottle 
And I think that's going to be a goal. Yes, <laughs> I think that'll be a goal for the summer. I don't know exactly how I'm going to try to learn that. Might have to be buying a bunch of cheap sparkling wine and inviting some friends over who might not be afraid to drink shards of glass. I don't know, but we're going to try. <laughs> Breaking news in, yes. the, in the London. <laughs> Somebody tried to open. Okay. Right. So hopefully, you know, YouTube University won't fail me and maybe we can check that one off the list this year. <laughs> and will you buy this special? I know there is a special knife or I don't know how, how oh, to like call the it. sword. Yeah, so the from, special sword. From my sword. existing research, you can do it with anything that even um, there are people online who do it with an iPad. It doesn't need okay. to be sharp. Okay. <laughs> So, Apparently, it's all about bottle temperature and speed. So, uh, I'll I'll report back on how it goes. <laughs> so, saber champagne with an iPad. Got it. Right. <laughs> But I'm an Android user, so something in that suite of products. <laughs> with Android. Okay. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> even because you are an Android user, so you definitely have to use iPad for that. Oh, yes. We'll smash a few iPads on the way. That sounds good. <laughs> Totally. Okay, so I feel like you are not searching for easiest ways, are you? The easiest ways? No, I think I think the uncharted path is usually the one that I've taken. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Tell me one of those passes you took and you loved it. Yeah, well, I think even a lot of the themes that we've been talking about today, yeah. you know, I grew up in what would be considered a fairly small town in Canada that was generally pretty conservative, uh, maybe more blue collar industry than anywhere else. And most of my friends that were growing up, it's they were married and had children by the age of 25. And that was quite common. And that was the path you were meant to take. And many of them, haven't even left the country before, let alone traveled as much as I have. Uh, even when it came down to my career, I remember talking to one of my colleagues that I used to work with uh, at Sony. I said, yeah, I want to get a remote job, but I also want to be making like lots more money. I don't want to have to sacrifice uh, my pay for that. She goes, well, I don't think you're going to be able to have both. That's typically not how it works. I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do both and I'm going to make it work. And I think you know, kind of going to the mindset of you can do all the things, you can travel and still have a career, uh, you can work remotely and still make money. I always want to make sure that I'm finding the best possible way. And if the opportunity doesn't exist in front of you, you kind of have to make it. So um, I wouldn't say that I take the easy path because usually the path in front of you might not, it might not even be the right one. Sometimes you have to take the uncharted path to get what's best for you. Yeah. And just a quick turn. What is the latest photo on your phone? Latest photo on my phone. It's probably of the dog. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, it's not of the dog. That. Okay. It was, um, we were in the park today and because it's been very warm weather that we typically have, all of the flowers are coming up. So it's a photo okay. of daffodils and flowers from the park, which already, wow. Yeah. I'll have to send it to you where I'm not blurred out on here, but yeah, it's been really lovely. So yes, the, the leaves are starting to bud, but they're not quite out. And then the flowers are all coming up. So my family in Canada gets teaser photos because their spring's not coming for a few months. <laughs> exactly. So you should rub it in. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like I will also receive this teaser photo because there is still no flowers, but yeah. I have to give you something to look forward to, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And how many pictures of your dog do you have on your phone? Oh, I, I would say too many, but I don't think that exists. There's unlimited storage room for dog photos, <laughs> but there's, uh, there's a significant amount. Even looking through my more recent photos, I would say that probably eight out of the last tenor of the dog. <laughs> exactly. Because he had silly arms or a silly face or was snoring on the couch and I thought it was cute. So <laughs> tell me more about your dog. How did you get them? Yeah, he's a 10 year old rescue from Spain and I adopted him in May. So 
it's still fairly new together. <laughs> and it was a very risky blind date because we had never met before, but I would say that it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's uh, a hound mix. So he's about 31 or 32 kilos. And yeah, he's very handsome, very sweet, very quirky. He's very tall. I think he gets that from me. <laughs> tall. <laughs> so he's very tall, yes. And uh, he can sometimes be grumpy because he's a little bit old. So on walks, we like our space. But he's just a big, lovable, cuddly goofball. So I love him a lot. Do you usually walk? I don't know how to tell it. Le with leash or unleashed? Am I am I saying this correct? So yes, a leash or a lead. Yes, he's usually on the lead, although we have a really long one, because he's a very stubborn old man. <laughs> And while I definitely know he has no problems hearing, he definitely <laughs> has problems listening. Okay. And I think this is quite typical for hound mixes because once they see a rabbit or a squirrel or anything, then <laughs> they lose their sense of hearing. And they're off. So yeah, he's he's on the lead. But we do try to find areas that are larger and fenced in and he gets a lot of running in. Yeah, what is what is his favorite toy? His favorite toy. A friend of mine who's also Canadian and lives here, she bought him a stuffed moose so that he knew his Canadian heritage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So he has a really big fluffy moose that he likes to play around with. It's quite cute. Once you share, oh, okay, not once. It's on your LinkedIn that you love dad's jokes. So what is your favorite one? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, I'm very much of the opinion that dad jokes are also a lifestyle. Circumstantial dad jokes are really, really funny. And I've also been one to put dad joke bots into Slack, which is very available for anyone who's listening and wants to put that in. <laughs> But um, it's, what was one of them? Like, what do you call a dad that wasn't invited? Oh no, that was not it at all. You'll have to cut this out. <laughs> totally down the wrong track. Something like it's an impasta. Ah, okay. That one, yeah. No, I I can't think of one. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I, I have this feeling, so. Yeah, puns puns are really good. I love a good pun. Yeah, It plays on words. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your best friend? My best friend, probably my sister. Yeah, she. It works out nicely that she's a night owl and I'm a morning person because okay. she's eight hours behind me. Uh, but yeah, anything good or bad, she's the first person that I message and that we we talk about things and gossip about family members or <laughs> or TV shows or makeup and all that. So yeah, definitely her. Got it. And also you are an avid crocheteer. So yes. what are you making right now? Yes. I am probably going to pick up a sweater that I started making last year and never finished. <laughs> okay. Yes. But recently I just finished, um, it was like a falafel, like a little stuffed animal, but in the shape of a falafel. So it's pita bread, lettuce and tomatoes, <laughs> falafels <laughs> that were crocheted for as a gift for someone who's opening a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Because I, I was I was going to ask, do you do this only for you or for somebody else? And I feel like, yeah. Yes. I don't do it for money. I've only been commissioned to do a piece once, and it was to crochet a sweater for a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> But otherwise, I've only done it for gifts if I'm giving it away. It's not not like a side side hustle. It's just something that I do because... I enjoy not looking at a screen to have a hobby. So I do it now and then and then like surprising people. And what is the story behind of this thing you were paid for? Oh, yes. So it was a friend of a friend of mine. And she, <laughs> she, they both lived out in the countryside in Canada. And one of them had a chicken. She lives on a farm. It's quite common. But it got attacked by one of the dogs and it lost a bunch of its feathers. 
and mm. it's quite cold in Canada. So they were wondering what they could do for this chicken until its feathers grew back. And my friend goes, I know someone who <laughs> can make these types of things. And she asked me if I would do it. And she said she was willing to pay for it. And you would be surprised at how many patterns exist online for chicken sweaters. There's quite a few. <laughs> chicken sweaters. Okay. <laughs> My life will never be the same. But yeah. Yeah, did, did they send you the photo of chicken wearing the sweater? They did. I don't know. It's, it's, I've got it somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can imagine like, you know, like chicken. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for sharing that, but yeah, you're you're definitely changing my life right now. So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of really great costumes and and clothing pieces for all types of animals online. So, <laughs> I, I I still have this I still have this thought that some people love animals more than other people, but yeah, that's the world mm -hmm. we live in. So. Yeah. <laughs> How do you recharge your batteries? Basically, how do you rest? Yeah, I think rest comes in many different forms and you need different kinds at different times. Uh, I mean, my mental rest is watching really horrible reality TV, as you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. Um, my you know, physical rest can be just as important. So making sure that you're just absolutely not going and running a million miles a minute. Um, I think social rest can be important, whether it's making sure that you're seeing people socially, you're prone not to do it. Because um, that's one thing that I definitely do is I hermit a lot. So rest can be making sure that I go out and see people instead of just staying home alone and doing, watching bad reality, reality TV, watching and crocheting for chickens. <laughs> okay. Um, But yeah, so I think it depends on on what I need at the time. But usually it's a combination of switching off mentally and making sure that I'm actually getting out and, and spending time with people that I that I love. So Yeah. And how did you feel when you came back to in-person events after this big pause? Yeah, I don't really go to in-person events, to be honest. <laughs> But Not, it was Web Summit I'm asking about, yeah. Ah, uh, Web Summit, yes. That was really interesting because um, when I went to Web Summit, COVID was still very much a thing. So it was just before one of the heavier waves of, I think it was Omicron at the time in Europe. Yeah. And maybe it was even Delta. So it was quite strict. There's Everyone was wearing masks. You had to present test results regularly to get through the doors. And I was very proud that not a single person in our group that was traveling got COVID. And I was, my little operational heart gave myself a pat on the back for that one. <laughs> yeah, but it was a lot of fun. I think FaceTime is really important in different circumstances. I really should get out to more events uh, in London because there are so many different events that happen here. Uh, but I do think that it's nice when you can get people together where it's a little bit more more casual but as you know i'm very intentional and online with my life so i'm still i'm still on the webinar bandwagon <laughs> yeah but you know you never know you know maybe you don't need to so it depends because sometimes you can go to in-person events and i was like ah why did <laughs> i come here and then like just meeting some good friends is also in-person events but Definitely yeah. much. So I would say you are not. Uh, am I am I hearing it correct that you are not that you don't like to go to kind of business in person events? Yeah, I think generally I love to go to things that are more personal and casual in general. I think a lot of business centric events and maybe it's more London specifically. It can be quite formal, and as someone who usually works in yoga pants <laughs> and you know is walking the dog in the middle of the day it just doesn't I, I don't love that level of almost putting on a little bit of a mask before you can talk to somebody I think going to like community centric events or uh, like marketing centric events sometimes can be slightly more personable 
but otherwise it's being really buttoned up and putting on a blazer isn't really for me. <laughs> yeah. Nah, no. you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know how to explain, but I hear it a lot from many community builders, from many community experts. So yeah. Yeah. But I think there's three things that go into a really good event. And one is meeting someone that you wouldn't have met otherwise. The second is learning something new or getting a new idea that you wouldn't have. And the last is experiencing something really cool. And I think that last one is really hard to do online. So I do think there is still a little bit of the magic and pizzazz that can only be achieved with an in-person event, whether it's a really cool venue or uh, like an absolutely amazing menu or something that you get to taste or experience or, or do that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. So I do think that there's still room for online to grow in that area, but it, it yeah. can be really fulfilling. <laughs> they can definitely send some good food to participants. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you like, how do you learn? What is your best way to learn? Yeah, I probably have a pretty ADHD approach to learning. <laughs> I really, truly go down rabbit holes all the time. So if I'm interested in something or have an idea about something, I will just nerd out and dive all in. Um, more recently, it's been quite cold in Europe, as you know, and energy is quite expensive. And I bought these these fans for your radiators, so it blows the warm air around. But this fan needed to be plugged into the wall. And most places in the UK, there's not a lot of plugs. So it made me pretty annoyed that I had to give up plug space to this one little fan for the radiator. So I thought, there's got to be heat-powered fans out there somewhere. So I spent an evening learning about thermoelectricity <laughs> and how to wire a Pelche plate to basically generate the five watts of energy that I needed to power the fan when the radiator came on so that I didn't need to give up my plug space anymore. So I will just nerd out on a topic, go all in, and then do some nutcase experiment on it. And that's how I learn best. <laughs> and did you finally plug it? Yeah, it's in various stages. We've passed we've passed the conceptual test of it and okay. it works on okay. one of the radiators that gets hot enough. On the new ones it doesn't get hot enough to generate enough wattage, but a now I know a lot about electricity. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of things to discover more, I feel like. Yes. Yeah. And a fun little experiment that cost ninety-eight cents for a plate and a few bucks for some wire. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. it sounds like a great business idea. So <laughs> you never know what it might lead to. Who knows? I'll call you when I have my empire. <laughs> Got it. Wow. So, you know, Erin, I really wish to have the sky as a limit to our conversation, but time is a limit. So let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh, goodness. I don't know, but let's do it. It's it's super hard, but yeah, yeah, I you, you can you can deal with it. So cold okay. or hot? Hot. Bacon or crocheting? Baking or crocheting? Baking. What are your favorite color and song? Color green. Green for other things, black to wear. <laughs> song. I promised it I will know. be hard. I know. I'm so bad with the names of things. Remember when you were asking me about TV shows, I had to describe it to you. So I probably know all the words to a song and I have no idea who sings it. Actually, um, one that's on my repeat right now is a friend of mine. He um, goes by Sangria Monster on Spotify and he's just started producing music and I just have a little brain worm of his song all the time. And so I have the Spotify radio of his song that I go to regularly. I think it's called XOXO, something like that. So that's, that's my, my favorite song right now. <laughs> yeah, I will, I, will, I will ask you to share it with me later. I will. And it's like Tropical House, kind of. Yeah. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? 
Mm. I definitely don't want to know what people are thinking. I think that would go poorly really quickly. <laughs> I want teleportation, I think would be great. I think that would be good. So then you're like, oh, I'd love to just be at the beach right now. Like I dream a genie style, get there. <laughs> okay. And the hardest question, really the hardest question. Who do you learn from in the community world? Name just one person. Mm. One of the lessons that have stuck with me the most uh, was from Dave. Gosh, what is Dave's last name? It, we were both speaking at the CMX conference and we sat next to each other at dinner. And he said, be an aspirin, not a vitamin. And that always really, really stuck with me. And I'll have to look on LinkedIn for his last name, uh, which is awful. But uh, he's been working in the community space for uh, for a long time and has invested in some community-driven companies and software. And yeah, that that's always made me remember that one of the biggest advantages of community is providing value by solving problems for people and just giving them the space to succeed. So that one's that lesson stuck with me. Yeah. And uh, it's okay if you have to search for them, but still <laughs> name two people whose community life journey you are happy to hear about. Oh, basically who I should talk to. It's mm, a great question. I mean, speaking of CMX, um, I do really love everything that they do there. I think you already talked to David Spinks and you're in that community. So everyone on the Bevy team is also really awesome. Who else is doing some great community stuff these days? Um, I think uh, Eva, Eva Bohorges in uh, Mexico, she has done a lot of work in developer relations and she's always working on some really cool projects. Right now she's with Docker working on their community team. And she's just an absolute whiz. She's a data scientist by trade. Uh, so she thinks of all really cool ways to measure how people are feeling and, and what really is driving value at the end of the day. So she's a really cool person in general. So it would be a yeah. great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? Mm. I don't know. Let's see. I guess what's next? <laughs> what's next? What's okay. Next? Like, what's yeah. next? What? So, 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 okay. So, okay. Okay. Erin, yeah. what's next? What's next? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking to continue building communities in the talent network space. And I'm actually launching a new newsletter, which is really exciting. Uh, so that people can stay up to date on the freelance economy. And the reason why I'm like, please ask me about it is not the self plug, but I just think that it's so cool that you and I get to be in a position where we get to help so many people around the world access opportunity. And the more that we can put out the message of advancing the freelance economy and helping people get access to jobs, that really gets me energized and excited. So my next project is getting so many great minds like yours and everyone else in our communities, a platform where we can share those ideas and really help so many more people have livelihoods that they never had access to before. So that's, that's the shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. You should definitely share it with me, share how people can subscribe to it. And I would love to receive those newsletters. Absolutely. It's launching this week. Uh, anyone who would like to subscribe, it's at freelance-focus.com and that's where you can find us. Great. It's super awesome. Okay. And you know, Erin, it was it was very random conversation. I told you that I never planned. Definitely was, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, and I never planned and I was I was a little afraid because it's like you have your Instagram account, but it's kind of a little outdated. I would say, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, Aaron is totally another person right now, and what we will talk about? I'm so scared, but you know, you're a great person, and I have a lot of fun talking to you, and I enjoyed our conversation very much. So thank you for being open to jump right away to this crazy, I don't know 
adventure and <laughs> this crazy conversation <laughs> like from out of nowhere and yeah i enjoyed it very much thank you for your time thank you yes from coffee to <laughs> thermo engineering to <laughs> digital nomadism i love it <laughs> you never know where where you can finish and you know it's just the beginning i promise you it will be volume two someday one day so just get ready it. for that we, we have a lot of things to talk about you know and you are going to build your heating empire so right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so once again thank you very much and see you in the community world